Welcome into episode four of Hawks Talk, the official podcast of your Upper Valley Nighthawks. We are presented by the Hotel Coolidge. And this week I am once again joined by Jonah Crow, Ian Binky with you here. And Jonah, it was an eventful week for the Nighthawks, a week of ups and downs, shall we say. Still a still a strong week for the Nighthawks, but uh, you know, some room for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. You look at this past week, um, they, uh, a lot of rain, you know, a couple yep. postponements, but they played through it. And they were actually, as I look through my notes, they were three and two. Is that correct? Uh, going back to last Sunday, yes. Yeah, Sunday. Two, three and two. Um, they, yeah, I, I'm reading this right. Um, yes, yes, three and two. So. Yeah, it started off with three straight wins going back to Ocean State last Sunday and then uh, lost the last two, game two of a doubleheader against Bristol. And then here today, as of recording this on Friday, against North Adams. Yeah, we, we're a little jumbled all yeah. over the place. We apologize for that mix-up. But it's been a long night. Uh, sh- shall we start with tonight's game? Yeah, let's work backwards. So um, as much as the Nighthawks would like to forget this game against North Adams, it was still one that... You, know, you kind of have to talk about, kind of try to cherry pick the positives from this game. A 14 to two defeat at the hands of the North Adams Steeplecats. Now, don't let the Steeplecats now five and 12 record fool you. They are a very good team. They've won four straight games. Uh, that includes you know, their losing streak was a lot of close games as well. It was just the issue of not having the depth to rest position players who might have been struggling and also a bullpen that couldn't hold leads. But they've seemed to remedy those issues. But it was a great starting p- pitching performance from Nate Chuddy for North Adams. Nine strikeouts over five innings, only allowed one run. And really the Upper Valley lineup had no answers. And and you expect them to figure it out as the game went on Uh Second time, third time through the order. We talked about it during the broadcast, Ian, but they just never did. That's really the first time we've seen the offense struggle throughout an entire game. Uh, We've seen spurts of this inactivity, but nothing throughout an entire game of just nothingness from from the offense. Uh, Other than, you know, Nick Monastere, two doubles, as well as Ryan Cesarini, two singles. And then you got to look at Darius Myers is a, hitting streak kept alive to 15 games. Other than that, it was a lot of disappointment. Guys just not being able to find the zone. They were reaching with their bat, and and that slider was really working for Nate Chuddy. So you mentioned the positives from this one, but uh, some room for improvement too. Just need to be more patient to the Nighthawks hitters. If they weren't getting their pitch, they kind of went outside the zone to find their pitch. But they had to understand if they wait back, Eventually, Chuddy would have to come to them. Chuddy did not walk a batter over his five innings of work, despite the fact that at times he did run counts full, did get to a couple of two-ball counts, but played to the over-aggressiveness, shall we say, of the Nighthawks hitters. And you again, you expect them to be disciplined because that's what they are. They're a really disciplined hitting team. They wait for their pitch. They get on board with walks. They you know, advance via interesting ways in field singles, but that just didn't happen tonight. Not not good enough offensively. Uh, they didn't deserve to win this game via the offense and the pitching. The pitching struggled right out of the gates with Carson Fry. So let's move on from that one and go to the doubleheader 
against Bristol, still following the trend of working from uh, from now to the past. So uh, let's start with game two of that doubleheader. It was a one to nothing, eight inning loss. It forced an extra inning. And looking at bright spots, it was really the pitching staff in this one. Teddy Tolliver was phenomenal. Five innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, two walks, and four Ks. That was the final line for Teddy, the best for him so far this summer. And other than that, I mean, the guys behind him really followed suit with Zach Rogers, a clean inning. Nate Kreider, a clean inning uh, in terms of no earned runs. that He allowed a walk as well as Rogers, but nothing else. And then it all just slipped away with Evan Byers. At times, looked a little nervous, an error on a throw to first. And that really was costly as, you know, they uh, eventually got an intentional walk to uh, load the bases. And that was just too much for him to ask a single RBI single from Dixon Black to end the game, who actually ended the no-hitter yep. in game one. How about that for, for Black there? But um, like you mentioned, a, a complete uh, pitching dominance from start to finish in that game. Yeah, it was on both sides. Justin Salamine was excellent for Bristol in that one. Also answered, actually, interestingly, interestingly enough, the exact same pitching line as Teddy Tolliver. Five innings, one hit, no runs, two walks, four strikeouts. So when you talk about you know e evenly matched, you can't get much more evenly matched than that as the Nighthawks offense again was stifled in this game. But, you know, you look for bright spots again. You have to turn back to Ryan Cesarini, two for three with a double. And he was really the only bright spot when you look throughout that entire lineup, the only Nighthawk in that game to record a hit. And Cesarini has just been so solid offensively. Uh, tonight continues to hit with two singles. He finds a way to get on base with his speed, and that's really the difference for him. So now two more sunnier games and, and sunnier topics to talk about. And let's do it with a big one here. The Upper Valley Nighthawks trounced the Bristol Blues in game one of that doubleheader, 12 to nothing. And were it not for Dixon Black, it would have been a little bit even sweeter. They had a no-hit bid heading into the seventh, six and two, six and a third inning, rather, of no-hit ball between Luis Misla, Chick Degatano, and Randall Alejo. Yeah, I mean, that was perfect perfection. We were waiting uh, until... Uh, we were waiting the entire summer to see a complete pitching performance uh, and offense, for that matter. It's just a complete game for these Nighthawks. And it finally showed the offense start to finish so good in terms of being aggressive, just staying middle up the plate and, and driving balls into the outfield with single after single. And Luis Misla, boy, Luis Misla is, yeah. I think we found our ace. I mean, that slider is something to to marvel at with, with how filthy it is to get guys to chase and, and to freeze. Luis Misla has been special so far this summer. And then everyone else after him was great too. Yeah, it was a complete pitching performance. Eight strikeouts for Luis Misla over five no-hit innings. Three walks between him and Chick Degatano. Chick allowed one, but Degatano has been rounding into form in his last two games. But turning the attention over to the offense, and it was really the top of the lineup. That showed up in a big way for that win between Darius Myers and leadoff spot, who was unanimous, unanimously picked by the dugout as player of the game. Went four for five with a double three run scored in RBI. But then following him, Nick Monastere, also a two for four day. 
Kevin Brogman, two for four, with three runs scored, two RBIs, and Garrett Pike also went two for three. So really the top of the lineup carried that starting lineup for the Upper Valley Nighthawks. So uh, moving on from that one over to the game on Monday against the Danbury Westerners, it was a 7-4 win, a range-shortened affair, only eight innings in that one, but still a win nonetheless for Upper Valley. And this was more strong starting pitching. Tommy Allman went three and two-thirds, only one hit allowed, no runs, no hits, or excuse me, no runs, no walks, and five strikeouts. And he's been extended into a starter as he's going on here, and he's looking phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we haven't really seen him go extended in innings like Misla has, uh, like he did uh, yesterday against Bristol. But Tommy Allman, in the innings he's pitched, he's been amazing. That fastball is really getting guys to swing and miss. That's his specialty. Uh, five strikeouts, only one hit, zero earned runs. The starting pitching overall by the Nighthawks, besides uh, tonight with Carson Fry, it has been really something special. It's been tops in the NECBL, and Allman was great. Weird. This was overall, this was just a weird game. Yeah. It was. It felt sluggish with, with the rain, and it just kept chugging along. Jacob Lapham somehow gets the win. Mm -hmm. As as Danbury, give credit to them. They kept fighting in this game. They tied it up 2-2 two to two in the fifth. But uh, a five-run fifth inning by the Nighthawks really put their stamp on this one. Yeah, they knocked out the Danbury starter Jordan Falco in that fifth inning. He ended up giving up six runs. And that was a hot starting pitcher. He was uh, very strong in his games coming into that one. But... The Nighthawks jumped on him, and he allowed six runs. But you look at the offense in this game, and it was really that fifth inning where things began to click. Garrett Pike, notably with another home run in that one. A grand and, slam. Yeah, it was a grand slam, and he really sparked the offense in that inning, and he was the reason why the Nighthawks came away with a win. And he has just been, again, so good at the plate, staying consistent, disciplined, and shortening up that swing, make it really, really smooth looking. And, and that was a beauty of a grand slam for Garrett Pike. And he has really been, you know, you go back to that Ocean State game, now two home runs in this ballpark. He's really been the, the shining star in terms of slugging and bringing guys home. So speaking of that Ocean State game, let's round out this weekly recap with that game a Sunday ago. If you're listening to this as the podcast comes out every Sunday, uh, it was a week ago. The Nighthawks got a 7-6 to win over the Waves. Brady Fuller got the win, but it was Will McCausland, the real star on the mound, in his last appearance in the Nighthawks uniform this season. Four innings pitch, three hits, no runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. Just another phenomenal starting pitching performance. That might have been my favorite game of the summer in terms of back and forth. Ocean State never gave up in this game, but... Uh, Credit to the Nighthawks for battling through it, just like they've done in so many of their games this summer, battling through it and winning a, a slugfest. It, Will McCoslin was great. You had a lot of guys contributing after him with Evan Byers, Brady Fuller finishing it off. Fuller ended up getting the win in this game. And again, they, they pieced it together somehow. They brought home a run uh, via a, a ground out, a, a bunt. Uh, Dylan Palmer got on, and he just manufactures his way around. He scored a run in that eighth inning, and that ultimately won us this game. 
Yeah, and you look at the the box score in this one. And you look at the inning by inning score. It was a three to nothing game, or for most of the early going. Upper Valley got three runs in the bottom of the first, but then nothing going until the fifth. And then the teams just started trading blows, each with runs in the fifth and sixth. Ocean State got two in the seventh and eighth, and the Nighthawks answered with one in both of those frames. That was just enough to hang on for the win. And also not for the lack of trying. The Waves got the tying run on first base in the ninth, but a key double play turned by Worcester, Kavanaugh, and Russo ended the threat and secured the win for the Nighthawks. Just a really back-and-forth affair for the Nighthawks to take the season series over Ocean State. Yeah, and, and Ocean State, credit to them, uh, they're they're going to be a tough out in in the, I believe they are the coastal, the coastal Division. Yeah. yeah, so they have been solid this season. Uh, Brody Heaton is one guy to look at for them. But overall, uh, the Nighthawks, again, they just pieced it together somehow. It was a real team effort. So one of the consistent themes throughout this week, at least the early going, was strong starting pitching performances. And the man behind it all is the Nighthawks pitching coach, Chad Sturgeon, and the only minted head coach of Kimball Union Academy Baseball. So we got the chance to talk to him before today's ball game against, <coughs> excuse me, against the North Adams Steeplecats. And here's what he had to say. All right, we're joined now by the pitching coach of the Upper Valley Nighthawks, Chad Sturgeon, and uh, also recently named the new head coach of Kimball Union Academy Baseball. Coach, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so, so what's that experience like getting that promotion and now, uh, you know, taking your experience as a pitching coach there, pitching coach here, and uh, moving up in the ranks? Um, it's a great opportunity. It's, it's something I've worked hard for. Uh, the former head coach and I, have kind of talked about this and kind of being a long-term plan. Um, his son was supposed to come to KUA, but ended up going to Taft, which is a phenomenal school academically and baseball. And he got a job closer to that school to be closer to his family and his kids. And it's a great opportunity for me to step in a lot sooner than I thought. Yeah, at the Kimball Union, you coached Brandon Walker there as well. So what's that been like, kind of seeing his progression as a player there and here at Upper Valley? Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. He came into me his junior year. He was about 5'8", 130 pounds, soaking wet. But he threw 81, so I knew he had a good arm. He, uh, we had a lot of conversations about the weight room. Uh, he dedicated himself to the weight room. We went on a throwing program, and when he graduated, he was – 91 92 and made another velo jump up to 94 and having them back it's it's good it's a familiar face uh we have a really good relationship and it's it's been a lot of fun to see him compete against high level athletes up in person so the last couple of games the pitching staff has really made strides and including the starting pitching staff they've been pitching a lot of shit out ball what, what's some strides that you've noticed in some of the pitchers um when they got here, I always tell all the pitchers that uh, it'll be about a week before we start trying different things out. And now that we're almost through three weeks, maybe four, the things we are trying are starting to click and it's starting to feel more comfortable. They're getting better spin. Their off speed's a lot better. And they have been, they've been really doing fantastic. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Makes my job a little easy. A pitcher that really stands out to me so far would be uh, Nate Kreider. 
Um, his first outing, he was 87, 88, and we worked on a couple things to get in his legs more. And last night, he was 90, 91. You can round up to 92, but we don't round up here. Yeah, so uh, the first game against the Blues yesterday, not doubleheader. We're two outs away from the first combined no-hitter in Nighthawks history. So how, how much does it suck that it wasn't completed compared to kind of how proud you are of the guys for how, uh, you know, a great performance? I mean, having a no-hitter is always cool. Um, it, it's fun to say. It's fun to be a part of. But at the end of the day, it doesn't truly matter too much. Um, the guys did awesome. They all threw strikes. They executed the pitches the way they should. And that hit was an 0-2 fastball that ran back into the middle. It would have been a good pitch, but Randall's ball moves 20 inches horizontally. So just came back over to plate, and he got a good swing on it. So really the story of the season so far for the Nighthawks has been rainouts, has been postponements, and uh, that's really kind of screwed with the pitching plan a little bit, back guys up. So how have you made the adjustment to keep arms fresh? Oh, that's a good question. Um, now that we have a full staff, it, it makes it a lot easier. I'm actually struggling to get guys innings, but we're still sticking to the plan. Um, for example, Randall needed to throw yesterday uh, to be ready for Monday's game, and even though it was 12 nothing, uh, we still threw. Um, that's kind of how it's going to be. When we get into the big doubleheader fest, um, the schedule won't be like that. We're going to throw if our starter goes five and our reliever goes two innings and it ends a game, that's that's how it is. So they can recover quick. My relievers can come back in two to three days with another doubleheader. Uh, so you'll start to see the scheduled innings out of the bullpen kind of slowly disappear. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with innings. Yeah, you were talking about how the pitching staff is about full strength now. Uh, I, I talked to you after a lot of the games, and after the early games, a lot of times you say the guys were just tired. So how like great is it that you, ha you know, full capacity now, and how is that going to help the team out? Oh, it's, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be a fun ride. I've been a part of a lot of good pitching staffs at the Upper Valley. Uh, we've had last year we had two guys drafted. The year before we had a couple guys drafted off that team. This year is a bunch of guys that compete. They got good stuff. Um, there's a few that can develop into draft picks. We'll see what happens this year. I, I don't foresee any draft picks off this team this year. But um, in the future, I, I think there could be. But, I mean, having guys fresh, for example, Jordan Goldman made a good velo bump in his last bullpen, just being fresh. I mean, I think he had four outings in the first two weeks. So it'll be fun to see what he has tonight. I'm hoping to see him hit a... 89 or 90 tonight so going around to different ballparks i've seen a lot of analytics staffs really impressed with what luis misla has brought to the mound his spin rate is near astronomical numbers for this level and uh it, it's wowed a lot of people what are your thoughts on misla misla is an absolute guy uh he's a special arm not many people that size can spin a fastball 26 2700 not many people at any size can spin a slider 3200 with control so it's it's special to watch um Mizzle is a guy that has a chance has a bright future if he uh does everything correctly yeah so really the only guys we haven't seen so far is chase adams and hunter reynolds so when we do see them what can we expect out of them 
Chase Reynolds or Chase Adams, he's going to throw tonight. Um, I'm going to give him, uh, hoping, a stress-free inning. Uh, he'll be first out of the pen. And uh, Hunter is scheduled to throw on Sunday. So we'll see them soon. I have good expectations. I'm hoping Hunter can work his way into the starting rotation. And uh, Chase will be a good back-end guy for us. So uh, one last question for you. You've been a member of the Nighthawk staff for quite a while, but what are some of your favorite activities away from the field in the Upper Valley area? Ooh, that's a good question. So I like, I like golfing. I like golfing a lot. I'm not very good at it, but I like it. Um, I like fishing during the summer times. I, I spend a lot of my time outside. Uh, my family has a house on a lake, so we spend a lot of time there on the boat fishing. There's a jet ski, so I'm outside almost every off day doing something fun when it's uh, not raining in the Upper Valley. And it's pitching coach Chad Sturgeon. Chad, thanks for taking the time. Thank you all. Thank you so much to Chad Sturgeon for taking the time to talk to us here on Hawks Talk. And now we can kind of zoom out and look at some key performers for this week. And I think a name that kept popping up for me, at least, was Ryan Cesarini. He had another phenomenal week and just found a way to contribute. Even when the offense wasn't going, he still found a way to be a consistent performer at the plate. Yeah, you go back to that uh, one nothing loss in game two of the doubleheader against Bristol. He still comes through at the plate and delivers Pike two singles, two runs. Excuse me, that was the 12-0 uh, the 12, 12 mm -hmm. win. But uh, in, in game two, a, a single and a double. So he is really finding the strike zone, fi finding the zone, and and lifting those balls just it doesn't have to be hard contact he's just getting on in different ways and uh another guy you just got to bring him up every week Darius <laughs> Myers continues to perform he came into action today uh, hitting 381 uh, numbers going to dip down a little bit today but still found a way to keep his hit streak going he went 1 for 3 today after poking a hard single through the left side so uh, for Myers. Oh, brutal. Yeah, he keeps it going. Oh, man. He's now second in the league <laughs> behind Danbury, Javon Hernandez. Only by one point, though. 380 compared to 379 for Darius Myers. I don't think he'll be hanging his head, though. Also, Ryan Cesarini, fifth in the league with a 345 average. Garrett Pike, not far behind with a 333 mark. So, a lot of the Nighthawks hitters, really that top half of the lineup showing up in a big way. Absolutely. Um, we, we can really um, rely on seeing them shine, but the Nighthawks need to get help at the bottom of the order. That's something that has haunted them so far this season, uh, just not getting enough production from guys like uh, Matthew Russo, who just made his debut. Tyler Long, at times, can deliver soft contact, but Pat D'Amico, um, Bear Madliak, the catchers, and uh, be beyond Kevin Bruckman, yeah. who, who continues to bat at the top of the lineup, beyond him, the catchers and the third baseman, there's been a struggle to find some consistency offense, uh, offensively. What do you think you know, needs to happen for, for that bottom of the lineup? It's just, they just need to go back to the basics. I mean, that's what, um, that's what Chad Sturgeon said about uh, some pitcher like Chick Degatano after rough outings. Just go back to the basics. And, and it's worked out well for them. And Chick Degatano is another guy who's really stood out to me, bouncing back from a tough outing against the North Adams Steeplecats in a doubleheader a few weeks ago. He bounced back, had two really strong outings this week, and including 
Tier today on short rest, pitching in back-to-back -back days, pitched well in a mop-up role, did not allow a run over an inning in two-thirds, one hit, no runs, one walk, two, no strikeouts. So Chick DeGatano rounding into form, working himself into the Nighthawks bullpen this season. But yeah, for the bottom of the lineup, it's just getting back to basics, just trying to put bat on the ball and trying to, to just hope to the best happens. I will say... Uh, Pat D'Amico gave the ball a good ride out to center field today. Hard contact, 99 miles per hour off the bat, just unfortunately right at the center fielder. And I'll tell you what, one other performer that we didn't mention was Garrett Pike. Yes. Garrett Pike has just been absolutely lights out. I know we touched on him at the beginning of this conversation, but Pike, you know, he does everything. He, he's Superman in the outfield. We saw him make a diving catch against Bristol, and he's just been a slugger at the plate, lifting balls deep with that power. And he also just finds a way, uh, once he's on the base pass, to, to show off that speed. He's, he's got a stolen base. I, I remember a couple times now he's hustled for, for, for some doubles. Yep. So Garrett Pike has really been everything for this Nighthawks at the top of the lineup. And speaking of Garrett Pike, we had the chance to talk with him before today's game against the Steeplecats. Let's take a listen. Our second guest this week is Nighthawks outfielder Garrett Pike from the University of Toledo. Garrett, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Uh, so, so Garrett, you've been seeing the ball really well lately. Uh, you've taken the league lead in RBIs. Uh, we talked a little bit after the game about how you're just trying to keep your approach simple, but um, you really turn things up when there's runners on base. How do you come through in these clutch situations? Yeah, I try to I try to get a fastball to drive up the middle. I don't try to do too much with it. I notice for myself when I try to do too much of it, I'll pull off, get weak ground grounders, and swing through stuff. So I try to stay uh, up the middle and get a fastball I can drive and hit hard. Yeah, so the reason you're here is because you got cut from the Cape. You know, you know that everyone that's here kind of wants to be in the Cape. So how did that feel, and how does it motivate you during your time here in Upper Valley? Uh, yeah, it was a weird time when I was figuring out that I was even coming to this league and this team. I was waiting in eastern New York, just waiting to see if I was even going to go to the Cape or what. And then they released me a couple days after I was even supposed to report. And I came here, and I, at first I was like kind of upset, but I, I met all the guys. Great team. We have a lot of fun. And it's really good competition, really good pitching, which I figured out really quickly because I start off the year like 3 for 22 or something, and you know I had to figure something out. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, it definitely took me a minute to get going because there's a lot going on, but I'm glad that I settled into a good team, good spot. So you talked about getting along with the guys, but uh, there's some real characters on this team. So uh, uh, how have you been getting along, and, um, and what are some guys that kind of stand out to you in terms of uh, character and jokes? Um, I would say Corey and Jake are the biggest <laughs> jokesters on the team. Pretty sure everyone knows that. You can probably hear them from all the way up oh, yeah. here in the booth. Yeah, we know. But we they know. always, yeah, they always <laughs> got something to say. They're always, uh, always keeping the mood good and, you know, making sure we're all having a good time. Yeah, like you said, you did start the season out in a little slump, so... Uh, what did you change? What was the main change that you took that really, uh, you know, let you heat things up? Yeah, I was way too big at the beginning of the year. I wasn't seeing anything. I had a lot of chases. I was swinging through a bunch of pitches, so I knew I had to shorten everything up. Uh, remembered some stuff from previous seasons in college and my hitting coach and what they told me. I kind of preset my hands a little bit and preset my load, so it gave me time to see the pitch. And uh, I really focused on just hitting fastballs and leaving everything else out, which has allowed me to limit my strikeouts and get my walks back up a little bit. So coming into game two of the doubleheader yesterday, I uh, noticed that 
the uh, Blues pitching staff was really working around you, pitching around you. How frustrating was that? Yeah, I was getting a lot of off-speed yesterday. It was, kind of, it was kind of frustrating. I chased some in my second at-bat. I was trying to make something happen, and I struck out. But I walked my two other at-bats. I was getting a lot of change-ups, a lot of sliders, nothing really I could handle. Um, and there's nothing really I can do but have some discipline in there, which isn't always easy. Yeah, so in the last couple of games, you've pretty much been the guy here. Uh, you had a grand slam, and then uh, going back a couple of games, you've just been the RBI leader of the league. So how does it feel knowing that, like, you're getting it going, and, like, how much has your confidence grown since you've been on this hot streak? Yeah, my confidence has gone up a lot. But the, one of the biggest reasons I'm the RBI leader is because the people in front of me. Like, AD's hitting, like, 380 right now. He's getting on base almost every time. Walk, he's stealing bases. He's getting in a scoring position. So are the other guys up there at the top of the order that are allowing me to get hits. Because, I mean, they're getting hits, too. They just don't have people in front of them because they're leading off the game or whatnot. So, I mean, a lot of the credit needs to go to them because they're doing their job and allowing me to come up in those situations. Yeah, being uh, working together as a team is something that's kind of plagued Upper Valley teams in the past. So just talk about how this team has come together and, and worked on that team approach as well as getting better as individuals. Yeah, I think a big part of it is we're all having fun all the time. Like we said earlier, it's Corey and Jake always keeping the mood light. And it's, it's kind of tough for some teams in summer ball to stay locked in all the time. But we have a great pitching staff. They throw strikes. They keep us locked in. And then we're having fun all the time, which is going to keep us competitive and is going to help us keep winning games and why we're so good. Yeah, we talk a lot about your time at the plate. Let's switch it over. I remember in the beginning of the season, I was, like, very unfamiliar with baseball. And I was, like, really impressed with your arm. I remember the game against the Mainers, uh, you made an incredible play, but it just came up short because uh, something happened at second base. I don't remember. Yeah. But how much do you pride yourself on that side of the field? Yeah, I, I, I try to be locked in every single pitch, getting my read steps, and uh, I take pride in my reaction times off the uh, bat. I feel like that's just like a plus part of my game, and it helps me a little bit. But uh, as far as throwing goes, I don't know. I just throw it. I just throw it to the bag, try to hit my cut, do whatever. Yeah, you had, uh, you had that great show of your arm. Then you also had a diving catch just a night ago in Bristol to uh, uh, keep the Nighthawks close in game two of that doubleheader. So uh, yeah, that's just about do it. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Of course, with us, thank Garrett. you. Yeah. Thank you once again to Garrett Pike for sitting down and having a chat with us. So uh, now let's took a little bit of a look off the field and what we've been doing for our time around the Upper Valley during our off days, which uh, once again, we've had quite a bit of schedule off days, rain days, you know, a little bit of everything, uh, especially against Danbury where we had to wait a little bit. A scheduled double header that ended up game two of that the twin bill getting postponed to another day. But what have you been up to, Jonah? Man, um, I've been up to quite a few things. Well, one one thing I, I wish I was up to was uh, – going to the RVC, the River Valley yeah. Club, for some exercise. Unfortunately, we didn't get that in with some of the rain, and, and we were stuck traveling and things of that nature. But I'll tell you one thing that was a little interesting. Um, I, I know you, you saw me come back drenched in sweat one yes. night when we had a, a game canceled, and that was because I ran uh, four miles total to Ziggy's Pizza to get some food. It was late night. If you don't know, here in the Upper Valley, White River Junction, uh, restaurants close early. Yeah. So uh, Ziggy's is one of the latest open. Um, I believe they close at 10 p.m. And I was like, you know, I've been sitting in my room doing a lot of prep and stuff, getting ready for the week. 
why don't I go for a run, get some exercise in? So I ran to Ziggy's that night in the dark. Um, it, I was worried it might rain, but that was over because it was, it was raining during the day. And I ran there, uh, got got my food, a, a buffalo chicken wrap. It was delicious. And then I ran back somehow. A lot of incline, but total, it was uh, four innings. Uh, not four <laughs> innings. You're in the baseball yeah, mood. Uh, four miles about. And my legs are still feeling it. That was, uh, I believe, two two days ago that I went on that run. So that was really the highlight of my week. I, I got some needed exercise, that's for sure. Now, I can't say I had an adventure quite that wild, <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting around the Upper Valley a little bit, we went to Woodstock uh, earlier this week to film Hawks and 90, which is posted out to Hawks social media every Tuesday. Got to see the downtown area there. Again, the rain kind of limiting our plans a little bit. We were supposed to go to Killington for that shoot, but ended up postponing that to a later date. Hopefully get up there and kind of sort of looking forward to that. I kind of dreading it, but uh, I'm sure it'll go well. Uh, get some much needed exercise again, like you said, um, trying to hit the RVC as much as I can. And, you know, just, um, you know, explore the upper valley. I did see there's an antique mall over by Queechee, planning to visit that at some point. That's, you know, kind of reserved as a rain day activity. And with July 4th coming up just around the corner here, uh, you know, it's the chance here with the Nighthawks having an off day to see what, you know, we, we can do here. Let's see. I know there kind of has been plans, spoken plans, but nothing set in stone yet. So a chance to look around the Upper Valley area, explore what it has to offer. And I know one thing everyone's been looking forward to is an update on the intern Monopoly standings. And once again, Jacob Ains, the director of baseball operations, still in front, but his lead is a narrow one at 44 points. Carolyn Angelillo is following close behind 36 points. And also Riley Bergstrom, our team photographer, has 36 points. So a two-way tie for second, not far off of the lead. Then uh, Patrick is just behind Patrick McCaw. He's our team beat writer, director of marketing as well. And then I'm trailing behind at 28 points and Aaron Rofe at 23. So, um, Meanwhile, I still haven't played a game you yet. You still haven't played a game yet, but you got to get in on one of I them. I will. I will. Yeah, stand Don't in, you worry. Yeah, stand in on one of for one of us. But um, I've just had the worst luck every single <laughs> game, I swear. It's like you know, every time I only get one or two properties, and it's like, all right, how can I turn this into something I can work with? I I, the last couple of games, I've done a good job of managing to get, like, second or third, stay in there late, but I've never gotten in a position to win a game. And it's all luck. Maybe one of these days. Maybe one of them. Um, but now we take our attention back to the Nighthawks, and we look at the week ahead, and there's a, a lot of games coming up for Upper Valley, and a lot of them here at home at the Maxfield Sports Complex. We hope to see you there for them before uh, – this. Before this podcast comes out and games that we don't have the chance to recap, be sure to stay tuned to the NECBL Network, Hawks social media, and the NECBL website for updates. Uh, we head down to Bristol tomorrow. That is Saturday, if you're listening to this in the future time, as uh, from our perspective. Head down to Bristol for another game. That's at 6.30. Then on Sunday, we host the Mistle Schooners, or Mystic, just 
mixed mixed up. It's mi- a long night. It, it is a know, long night. This Mystic, has been a riveting conversation. Yeah. Mystic <laughs> Schooners, that's who they are. They're coming into the Upper Valley on Sunday at 5. Then one of two cup games this week. The Vermont Mountaineers head to Maxfield for a 6 o'clock start on Monday. Then they have the fourth off on Wednesday. They head to or the Valley Blue Sox head up to Upper Valley in the Battle of the Valleys in the NECBL at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. Then on Friday, after a day off on Thursday, the Danbury Westerners come in for what we hope will be a twin bill. Not 100% sure what the forecast looks like for that one, but the third time now that we're going to try to get in that one game against Danbury, uh, that will be a split you know, home and home. Danbury will be the home team for game one. Upper Valley, the home team for game two. Four o'clock start for that doubleheader. Then heading down to Valley are the Nighthawks for a doubleheader on Saturday at 3 p.m. So back-to-back doubleheaders there. Then rounding the week out with another cup game against the Vermont Mountaineers at 5 p.m. on Sunday. So Jonah, a lot of games to look forward to. I think the big one for everyone are the two Governor's Cup games against Vermont. The season series split one and one. The Nighthawks are ending out their home schedule against the Vermont Mountaineers. So really much needed two wins there to take the cup lead. But beyond that, what are some games that stand out? Oh, that question just ruined it for me. I, I was going to talk about beyond the, that, the Governor's Cup. That. Okay. That's a softball. I can't lob up yeah, softballs yeah. to all you right. all day. Because Fire me up for those Governor's Cup. But <laughs> anyway, um, the Mystic Schooners one jumps out to me. Uh, another coastal opponent that's new in terms of who the, the Nighthawks will face, the Mystic Schooners, uh, standing 10-8 and eight in the crowded coastal division. That's going to be an interesting uh, look to see who's going to grab that second playoff spot because Newport is really good. Mystic still has a lot to play for. They're a half game back of the Ocean State Waves for second place. And then as I uh, continue to look at the schedule, uh, the Nighthawks have had a couple really good battles with the Sanford Mainers. Um, So that's going to be interesting. Sanford, uh, they're still trying to find themselves. They're four and a half games back of first place, but they've they've won one game against the Nighthawks. So that should be interesting as well. Um, And uh, like you mentioned, uh, Danbury, can we finally get it in? Yeah. Um, So I'm, I'm looking forward to see if we can get that one in. So uh, the game that stands out to me are the three scheduled games that the Nighthawks have this week against the Valley Blue Sox. Now, now Valley, you know, yes, they have a losing record heading into uh, things today, but they're they're still a division leader. And that's the thing that matters to me. They're in first place in the West. They're a lot of teams though on their heels. Everyone within two and a half games now, I believe, with results holding up today as they are indeed 9 and 11 and the last place steeple cats are 5 and 12 only two and a half games back still with a lot of games to make up so uh both these teams really looking to keep in front of their divisions both the nighthawks and the blue Sox, and they're going to be hungry and it's going to be a very competitive three game set so uh final final thoughts as we wrap up this week's podcast yeah the the nighthawks are still in a good spot I think that's my um, my thought coming out of this week. Obviously, still a lot of uh, postponements, a lot of games to make up. Um, 
my final thought really is we're going to see what this team is made of after struggling in the last two games of this week, back-to-back -back losses, back-to-back -back games where the offense hasn't showed up, and they got a gauntlet of a schedule coming up with these doubleheaders, I believe four doubleheaders uh, in the coming week. So it's really going to be tough to see what is this team made of, how well equipped are they stamina-wise to make it through this schedule. Well, that's about do it here for us from the Maxfield Sports Complex recording this week's edition of Hawks Talk. Once again, we want to thank Chad Sturgeon and Garrett Pike for joining the podcast this week and talking all things Upper Valley Nighthawks. But uh, in the meantime, for my uh, podcast partner this week, Jonah Krell, my name is Ian Binky. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Hawks Talk. We hope to see you at the Max or back here on next Sunday for the next edition of Hawks Talk. Have a great week, everyone.